You are Locked On Bears, and I'm your host, Lauren Cox, bringing you another heaping helping of Chicago Bears talk. You can find my written analysis over at bearswire.com, and I'm always talking some ball on Twitter at Cox Sports One. That's C O X Sports One. Free agency is right around the corner, and so here on Locked On Bears, we are diving in headfirst, hitting some of the biggest positions of need for the Chicago Bears. Last week, we had Ian Wharton from Bleach Report on the podcast to look at the free agent cornerback market. That was the February 21st episode of Lockdown Bears. We talked about Kyle Fuller and Prince of Mukamaro, of course, but we also looked at some outside candidates. Whit Wharton was pretty high on Bashad Breeland, but we also touched on a couple of other sleepers. So if you haven't heard that one, make sure you go back and listen to it. Later this week, we'll be diving into the free agent offensive line group. But for today, I'll be joined by another great guest, Matt Harmon from NFL.com, and we're going to go straight through this free agent class of wide receivers. We'll touch on Dontrell Inman and Kendall Wright and the Bears free agents. We'll get to the top guys on the market that could command the big dollars. You know, a little bit of Jarvis Landry, even though he's not technically a free agent. We'll also get some buy low candidates. And I think Matt does a great job using his background with the Reception Perception Project and NFL.com's Next Gen Stats really brings some great analysis that I don't think you can find anywhere else. Now, if you're like me, you're already looking ahead to the NFL draft as well. There's plenty of wide receivers there that could be pretty solid fits with what the Bears want to do on offense. So if you want more on some of these draft prospects and what went down at the NFL Combine this past week, be sure to listen to our last episode. It was the Mock Draft Monday episode of Locked on Bears. I was joined by my good friend Joe Marino. He works for NDT Scouting, and he joined us actually from Indianapolis, from the Combine. We talked about Calvin Ridley and his kind of shaky performance, and one of the guys I've been pretty high on, DJ Moore, and he had a big day. But we also looked at some other Bears targets at other positions in need, focusing in on the linebackers and edge rushers that performed on Sunday, like uh, Tremaine Edmonds and even Harold Landry. So if you haven't checked out that podcast and you're interested in the NFL Draft, Make sure you go back and listen to that when you're done with this one and keep tuning back in because we are going to go in-depth on the NFL Draft with even more great analysis from other top-notch guests. But before we get to the NFL Draft, of course, there's free agency. We know the Bears are going to be big spenders. They've already been linked to a couple of the top wide receivers. Certainly the Jarvis Landry rumors continue to swirl. And so we know there's going to be some action in this department. So to break down some potential targets at this major position of need, I turned to one of the foremost experts on wide receivers. Joining me now on Locked on Bears is Matt Harmon. He writes for NFL.com. He's on TV on NFL Network and he's on the NFL's Fantasy Live podcast. You might have seen his name on ChicagoBears.com last week, the official website of the Chicago Bears, where they actually quoted his analysis of Jordan Howard, Tariq Cohen, and the Bears' backfield. 
He's also the creator of the Reception Perception Project, which is an invaluable tool where he charts wide receivers by the routes they run. You can follow him and his wonderful dog, Charlie, on Twitter at MattHarman underscore BYB. Matt, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Oh, yeah. Thanks for having me on, man. You know, I, I really enjoy this time of year, uh, especially, I mean, right now it's kind of like the intersection of the draft is really ramping up with the combine coverage on NFL Network. I've been watching this morning while I've been charting some college prospects. And also, like, free agency is right around the corner. I know that's a big topic that we're going to be talking about uh, today. So, yeah, it's a, it's a fun time of year, man. I really, I really appreciate you having me on a chat this morning. Well, the Bears have one major – I mean, they have other weaknesses, but there's one particular position – where every Bears fan has been tuned in, not only at the Combine, but with contract negotiations going around the league. It's the wide receiver spot. Everybody knows the issues the Bears had there last year, and that now they have a number of these guys projected to hit free agency. They haven't, as of this time, re-signed anybody. Even Cameron Meredith is set to be a restricted free agent. They still have to figure that out. But one guy I wanted to start you here with is Kendall Wright. And he had some success early in his career with the Tennessee Titans, but obviously last year in a limited Chicago Bears offense, he only put up you know just around 600 yards, and there's some question marks about what he can potentially be. So do you think when you see a guy like this at this point in his career getting closer to that 30 age, but he's not quite there yet, you know, is he limited to being this you know, number three or four option in an offense and, and be a 600-yard guy? Or do you think he is still showing signs of being able to do more in the right system? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think he is what he is at this point. But what what that is is like a pretty solid, maybe right around average slot receiver uh, in the NFL. And, you know, it's funny with, with the Bears and their wide receiver need, I think that's really the type of player that they want to get is a slot receiver to create uh, some of these easier layup throws for their young quarterback in Mitchell Trubisky. You talked about some of the next-gen stats work that I do. And probably one of my favorite notes uh, from the 2017 season was looking at a similar situation. And I know everybody compares compares these two guys, but I think this adds a little bit of context to that and why it's such an easy comparison to make is, is what Jared Goff did with the Rams last year. Back in 2016 in his rookie year, Goff threw 25.9% of his passes into tight windows. That's a throw where the targeted receiver had less than a yard of separation. And obviously that, that was number one across all quarterbacks uh, in, in that season. No no other quarterback threw more than tight win, more tight window throws than Goff in his rookie year. Obviously that did not go well. We know he looked almost like he might be a bust you know after that first season then obviously 2017 uh Goff teams up with Jared uh, with uh, Sean McVay and he drops all the way down to 31st among quarterbacks in tight window throws just 14.3 percent that 11 percent drop in those two figures was by far the biggest differential the next highest was like 4.6 so I think we want to see the the Bears do a similar Similar situation here with Mitchell Trubisky, who was 13th in tight window throw percentage last year, not very good on those throws, 27.3 passer rating. Uh, so I think we want to see them get some sort of a, a slot receiver to create more of these layup throws, but it, it pretty clearly sounds like the Bears are seeking an upgrade because, like I said earlier, I think that right now we kind of know who Kendall Wright is, and he can be solid in that role, but we also have seen multiple coaching staffs kind of peg him as just a part-time player. You know, the Titans, who 
needed wide receivers to help all the time, they never really made him a full-time player. Even last year, the Bears, you know, he'd go through games where he was playing less than 40% of the snaps. He'd go through games where he would, was getting like double-digit targets. It was just never a consistent utilization plan. Um, so he could maybe be a fallback option for them if they don't get some of the other guys that they want. But like I said, I think he kind of is who he is right now. It seems like a lot of free agents in this class struggled in their contract years last year. But, you know, you got a handful of guys here that have put up really big performances in previous years before coming into 2017. One of those guys ended up on the Bears, Dontrell Inman. You know, back with the Chargers, he had like 800 yards in 2016. He was kind of a slot guy there, comes to Chicago, plays a little bit more outside, and is used in some perhaps different ways than what San Diego did that maybe weren't necessarily in the best position to be successful here. But what are your thoughts on on what he did in 2016? And do you think that's the type of performance that is repeatable? Or was it more a flash in the pan being in the right situation on a team where wide receiver opened up some playing time for him? Yeah, another guy that looked like he was going to get some steady usage with the Bears. And obviously it's really tough to to judge some of these guys from the offense that they ran last year. Um, you know, just not a really high-end offense. But he comes to Chicago, and in his first, first three games, he sees eight, five, and nine targets, puts up 88 yards, 43 yards, 64 yards. Looked like he was going to have kind of a steady role. And then he fell off the map in the next three in the next three games with just two, zero, and one catches. So definitely not a consistent player in terms of how he was used um again another guy that i think is potentially a fallback option like i think trading for him was a really good move because he's clearly an nfl caliber receiver a good a good guy to have around but he was just lost in the mix in the chargers who have one of the deepest wide receiver cores with keenan allen tyrell williams mike williams who they drafted in the top 10 last year and then travis benjamin who I actually think is a, is a pretty underrated player too so i think that trading for him was definitely a great move last year um and maybe is another guy that is kind of one of these fallback plans i mean they're my favorite guy that they have you know again you mentioned restricted free agency uh if they can bring back cameron meredith i think he could slot in on one of these outside roles as a starter uh while they pursue upgrades in other spots but yeah inman and Wright feel like kind of fallback plans to me right now here with Matt Harmon of NFL.com, breaking down free agent wide receivers. Well, one of the things I like about your reception perception work, I mean, beyond just the incredible detail and do, really doing something that no one else does, it, it seems like you've been able to identify a lot of breakout candidates, at least a couple every year that maybe flew under the radar a little bit. And one of those guys a couple years ago was Allen Robinson. You had you had pegged him as a guy who was doing a lot for the Jaguars. And then in 20, was it 2015, he had his 1,400-yard year. And or 20, or 2016, then he had another eight 900 yards. And then again, ACL injury last year in his contract year doesn't get to perform and, and do a lot of the things that could have earned him some big bucks. So what stood out for you about Allen Robinson before he emerged as as the dynamic receiver that he was? And with his skill set, how concerned are you about the ACL injury potentially slowing him down and limiting perhaps what he could do in the future? Yeah, what, what stood out to me on his rookie year film before an injury actually ended that season too, uh, I think it was a foot injury at the time, uh, was that just the details and the way that he ran routes as a super young player. He came into the league really young. He's still under 25. I think he's either 25 or younger right now. 
Uh, and w- just that detail while also being a big bodied receiver who we know can clearly go up and get the football. I mean, his most famous play, I think, even to date at the NFL is what he did in college when he really went over the top of that Michigan defensive back. Uh, I think he actually has it tattooed on himself. So it's clearly a play that stuck with him. So the fact that he's a big body receiver that can go up and get the football like that, but also has the detailed approach to route running to be able to separate at all levels of the field. I think that's what makes him such a dangerous player that we saw really dominate the league in 2015. So when it all comes together for him, he could definitely be that player. Uh, 2016, obviously, or yeah, 2016 obviously was not the season that he wanted to have, I think, for multiple reasons. I think some of it's on him. I don't think he played as well as he could have that year. But also the fact is, like, he's playing with a quarterback that in that year was really dysfunctional. Blake Bortles obviously has leveled out his play at this point to be, you know, a sub average starter, but no longer just a complete disaster. Um, and so, but, but they also were throwing, a, throwing him a lot of low percentage routes, uh, you know, which they corrected a lot of this past season without him there in terms of, uh, what I think that he could, what, what the ACL might take away from his game. I, I really have no idea. I, I tend to not want to speculate on these things cause it's really not my lane. I'm not a doctor. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that he has so much, lower body explosion right now that maybe he could sacrifice a little bit of it but uh he's such a young player and he got injured so early in the season that I think he probably has had enough time to come back I've seen the videos online of him starting to get that rehab you know going and he should be running at some point but you know what I think Jacksonville is still kind of mulling whether they want to throw the franchise tag the transition tag what they want to do with Robinson I don't know if he gets free but he's the one guy on this free agent market right now that really does that I think you can feel the best about is a number one receiver. Sammy Watkins, some of these other guys have flashed out ability in the past, but uh, I think of, of all the players out there right now, he's the clearest, you know, the prize of the group as a number one wideout. Well, you mentioned Sammy Watkins, so let's go there real quick. You know, he's shown that number one potential in the past, but he gets traded to this this LA Rams offense that has some power to it and, and did make things easier for Jared Goff. And he didn't necessarily emerge the way maybe some people thought. Maybe he kind of fell down, at least in the in the hierarchy of the scheme of, of what he was being asked to do. Well, why do you think he didn't have a more productive year? And, and what would be your level of confidence if he hits the open market in investing a, a big wide receiver contract in? Yeah, the contract number is going to be tough. But what, what I think happened in LA last year, I mean, you got to remember, he came, he came in there super late. Uh, he was a preseason trade. Uh, in that kind of three-way deal between the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, not really a, an official three-way deal, but but it ended up bringing him to Los Angeles through that. That was pretty late in August. Um, he gets traded there. That's a quick turnaround to then get up to speed on the offense and get going for the regular season. And not to mention, like the Sean McVay offense, what, what he came from with Washington. That has traditionally been an offense that doesn't funnel targets to to one player, and I think that's a unique approach that that gives them an advantage because they can say, "Hey, I'm gonna come out this week, and and we're gonna really use our possession receiver, which in Washington was Pierre Garcon, and and in L.A. it was Robert Woods. We saw Robert Woods have a great year. Mm-hmm. Okay, this week let's attack the weakness of the defense's uh, deep ball, and that's where they use Sammy Watkins. That's where he can really get going. So he was valuable um, in in that sort of role. Uh, he was a great deep ball receiver. He was great on uh, in tight window throws uh, when Goff needed to throw to a receiver that had less than yard of separation. He had a 93 passer rating when throwing to Watkins in tight windows. That was the fourth best among receivers wow. this past year. So he he still is a really good player. 
I don't know that he is that clear-cut number one. I need to funnel 130, 40 targets to this guy and run my offense through him. But he can clearly bring big plays. He can clearly bring uh, explosion. What he's, I think he could, now that the Rams have, I mean, quietly revamped their cap space now by trading Robert Quinn, uh, by moving some other things around. They're, they're now in the, I believe they're in the top 10 among cap space teams now. Uh, and, and that could conceivably let them re-sign Sammy Watkins or re-sign LaMarcus Joyner and throw the tag on Watkins or vice versa. I think I'm starting to think now he might end up being back with the Rams. It's purely speculation because you got to remember, I mean, they sent a second round pick and a starting corner to get Sammy Watkins. They clearly like him. They clearly want him to be there. I don't think they want to just have thrown that second round pick out the door. Um, he, he can still play Watkins, but I just I, I don't know that he is that number one receiver right now. Well, you mentioned guys getting targets funneled to them and getting production. And one of the guys that I think might be the poster boy for that right now is Jarvis Landry. And, I, you know, I have question marks about how much is scheme and, and how much he does. What, what are your thoughts on the way he's able to create for himself as opposed to him being, you know, the check down guy, the screen guy, and, and occasionally flashing more downfield ability? Yeah, this is going to sound stupid from a guy like me who charts a ton of routes and also looks at a bunch of advanced data and everything like that. But sometimes I just want to see a receiver like, just just give me production, like just produce, just put numbers on the on the field because you know, catches beget yards, which beget touchdowns, which beget wins, you know? So in, in all in all, I think Jarvis Landry is the type of player that he's going to catch the ball. He's going to help move an offense. He's definitely a role player. Don't get me wrong. No doubt about it. He's a slot receiver. How much you want to pay a slot receiver is the big question there. But he, I think he's the type of player that helps any offense. And I think what would be great about him with the Bears is you mentioned the way he's used – he creates a lot of those layup throws, which I kind of talked about at the beginning, is what I think they need to get Mitchell Trubisky. They don't want him throwing into a bunch of tight windows. They want him to have these more efficient layup throws that that help move the offense. I mean, if you just think about it intuitively, if you're t- attacking tight windows and you're attacking the sidelines, those are lower percentage passes. Just if you look at you know the next-gen stats like the passer ratings when quarterbacks thrown into tight windows, those are far lower than when you're attacking the middle of the field, the intermediate areas. I think that's where the Bears want to focus more, and Landry could be a great player in that regard. Now, right now, he's currently franchised by the Miami Dolphins, obviously they want to trade him. They've given him permission to seek that trade. And now that they traded for Robert Quinn, who has a big cap figure, and they're already tight on cap space, uh, they need to make moves to to get to get free from from a little bit of cap trouble. I wouldn't even be shocked if they end up rescinding that franchise tag on Landry and, and after all this just still eventually let him walk. I don't know that that's the most likely scenario, but I think it's certainly possible. So Chicago, I think, is kind of the ideal landing spot for Landry because – they just need a receiver that is going to be productive and that is going to create some of these wide windows for Landry. Um, I think he's been pigeonholed a little bit into like a very, very short route runner where I think he can be more, you know, along the lines of like Larry Fitzgerald. They, they play a very similar role, but they trust Fitzgerald in contested situations more. They trust him in the red zone more. That, that was more of a thing that Landry did this past year, but it can certainly, he can certainly expand his role a little bit, but He's a slot receiver, but I think that the Bears need that type of player right now. So if he gets on the open market or, or there's a trade that works out for them, I, I would not be surprised at all if they make that move for him. Real quick, for more analysis of Jarvis Landry, be sure and go back to the February 27th 
episode of Locked On Bears, where we went really in-depth on the Jarvis Landry situation as a whole, broke down his game, and I explained why the Bears might be better off looking elsewhere for wide receiver help. Landry is kind of the the you know the carrot on the end of the stick, the the high option here that I think Bears fans are easily excited about. But a lot of Bears fans look for the 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 potential you know sleeper lower end guy that can give you similar production. And it was very easy for a lot of people to quickly point to Albert Wilson since Matt Nagy has that familiarity with him with the Chiefs, and he's kind of that slot receiver, even if he's never had nearly the production that Jarvis Landry has. And I know at the combine. The Chiefs GM was asked about Wilson, and his answer was, well, Matt's in Chicago yeah. now, and, and kind of hinting that he could be coming to the Bears. He was a big yards after the catch guy. He had some pretty high missed tackles number. But my question with him for you is, is he kind of like this Kendall Wright where, you know, can he do more than a 600-yard year, and do you need him to do more than that? I love Albert Wilson. I mean, I think the people that followed me for a while know that. Uh, you know that the the guys at the Fantasy Live podcast that I do, we we have the bird alert with the sirens and everything. So it's fun fun to see him uh, kind of potentially come, go into a bigger role. I would love the fit with Chicago. If they're not able to land Landry, um, honestly, I think it might be the more frugal move to just pursue Albert Wilson who's a similar player in terms of, I think, the archetype that he fits into, how he would be used. I would not be surprised if he goes there, and he could easily have an 80-catch season just by, again, efficiently attacking the middle of the field. He's that type of player. I would love the move to pick up Albert Wilson for for Chicago. Obviously, Matt Nagy knows him, is familiar with him. He would be an instant upgrade, I think, on Kendall Wright. Uh, Just what he can do, he's younger. Uh, I think he has more untapped potential. So I, I think that would be an ideal fit. I think that he could easily get 100 targets if he goes there and and push for that 80 catch season like I mentioned. He's he's definitely a player that I think is is an easy dot. I mean everybody looks like they're connecting the dots even his uh per, perhaps soon to be former team. So I uh, I think that would be a, a great fit and and I think he would help Mitchell Trubisky an awful lot. Do you think an offense could have a spot for both Landry and Wilson if somehow the Bears were able to get a hold of both of them? I mean can you can you run an offense with two guys that can work effectively out of the slot, or do you think, you know, potentially you could find other roles for Landry given what he's flashed before, or do you think this should be a, a one or the other situation? I think it should be a one or the other situation. I think if you decide that you're going to pay the king's ransom, the iron price for Jarvis Landry, then you you've made that decision, and he's going to be your middle of the field slot weapon. And then there would probably not really be a need for an Albert Wilson, who I think again play is is along that similar archetype. You don't want to ask one of these guys to operate in a way that's not their best fit. You know, you don't want to have to like okay, we have two of these guys. Which one are we going to have to ask them do the thing that they're not best at? We want to put them in the best position to thrive in the best way that they they know how. And I think for both of them, that's the same exact role. So for me, if you decide to pay, pursue Landry, you, you forget about the Albert Wilson thing. Or, which again, I think might be the smarter move, 
is you say, I don't want to pay the price to either trade for Landry or pay him what he wants. I mean, he wants to be the highest paid receiver in the league. I'll tell you right now, I would not make, I would not want to make Jarvis Landry the highest paid receiver in the league just because he's not one of these, he's a great, good player, but he's not one of these number one outside coverage dictators like an Odell Beckham or, or, or anything like that. So to me, I would, I would just pursue Wilson. I would pay him the probably modest contract that you need to bring him in there, get some, get like a B minus version of what you're going to get from Jarvis Landry and be really happy about that and then go out there and pursue whether it's in the draft or one of these free agent reclamation projects a potential number one outside receiver to pair with guys like uh you know a Cameron Meredith you bring him back in restricted free agency you you maybe bring back Dontrell Inman I don't know I mean you've got Kevin White but gee what what is going on there who 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 knows but I think you then pursue another potential outside threat while bringing in one or the other of Landry and Wilson. What are your thoughts on a guy like Dante Moncrief from the Colts? you think he can be more if he comes out of the shadow of T.Y. Hilton, or is he limited in his skill set that maybe he won't ever be more than that? Dante Moncrief, I feel like, is is the poster boy of what this free agent class is, which beyond Watkins, Robinson, and Landry, potentially, again, he's on the franchise tag right now, um, I think it's all a bunch of like reclamation projects. Some of these guys from this 2014 class that was ultra heralded and, and really just hit after hit after hit in that class uh, in terms of successful NFL players. But a lot of these guys really kind of haven't lived up to that potential all the way throughout their career. Um, Moncrief, I, I, he's like a Rorschach player to me, you know, and what I mean <laughs> by that is you, you can look at him and, and see a lot of different things, kind of see what maybe you want to see. Like you can definitely look at him and be like, this is a guy that was drafted in the fifth round of fantasy drafts for a couple of years and has never lived up to that potential. You could also say, look at his career and, and tell yourself a story about how it's all been kind of bad circumstance or bad luck. When either when he's been hurt, Andrew Luck has been out there and playing good. When he's been out there, Luck's not been out there. You know, there's been a lot of that throughout Moncrief's career. There's no doubt about it. I mean, I remember the 2015 season when he immediately, you know, usurped. Uh, and Andre Johnson, who was just done, you know, I mean, that, and, and he actually went out there and had his best season, 100 targets and all that. Next year, he comes back, looks like the clearest breakout player in the world. He gets injured uh, early in that season and only kind of comes back to like a red zone role. Uh, I, I think Moncrief is, is a good player. I don't know that he's ever going to tap that full potential, but I think he can come in and help your offense. Uh, both in contested situations and uh, in the vertical game. I think there is still something there. Like to me, I would much rather pursue a player like Dante Moncrief and give him kind of an incentive-laden deal uh, to maybe try to hit that home run rather than just pay for like hitting a double with a, a, Mar- a Marquise Lee type of player. You know, To me, that's like I don't want to pay market value to, to try to hit a double. I want to pay a little less money and try to hit that home run. And that's what I think – potentially signing Dante Moncrief would be, you know, I talked about going out for either Landry or Wilson uh, and then try to get another outside receiver to compliment those guys. And I think Moncrief would be, you know, among other guys on this free agent market, I think he's kind of the ideal option for that. Now we've mentioned it a couple times here and danced around it, but can you explain a little bit more about the reception perception project, how the process works, where we can find it, how much it costs and all that good stuff? Sure. So you can uh, find it and just use the hashtag reception perception on Twitter if you want to kind of get a sample of what the work looks like. I just put out a 
chart the uh, new, the new charts by the way yeah the the, sh- the shiny new flashy charts yes they're they're, like they're they're new and updated this year i just put out one on james washington one of the college prospects from oklahoma state um and, and why i've been able to do that is with a partnership with the fantasy footballers and that's where you can purchase all this information in their ultimate draft kit this year if you just go to ultimatedraftkit.com or excuse me go to receptionperception.com so i can get a little credit for it uh <laughs> if you go to receptionperception.com you see the details to purchase a draft kit which will have profiles on 50 NFL 50 NFL receivers, all the rookie receivers that I chart this year. Uh, and I'll be putting out articles on the rookies beforehand to, again, give you a little bit of sample of that. And what Reception Perception is, it's a methodology that I developed to kind of try to quantify how good of route runners receivers are. So what I go do over a six-game sample for college players and an eight-game sample for NFL players where I found that the numbers tend to normalize – I chart every single route they run, how often they run each route, you know, whether it's a curl, nine, slant, what have you, uh, and what type of coverage they're best against, how often they get open versus man zone press coverage, how, how often they get open on each individual route. Essentially, anything you want to know about a wide receiver, uh, reception perception is going to tell you that. So it, to me, I think it's a, it's the most efficient way to watch film. You know, I, I don't like when I hear a scout tell me, okay, well, he's a good route runner, he's, or he grades a 7 out of 10 on the route running scale. I'm like, I don't know what that means. That doesn't, that, that doesn't mean anything to me. So what I try to do is go and show you my observations from a percentage basis. Like, so you can compare across the NFL. You can best decide what role a player fits into what they do best when you're trying to project them for the future. Well, and when does that become available for purchase? Yeah, the, the, the draft kit will be live June 1st uh, is when it comes out. So right around when we're ramping up for the next season. Uh, and, and like I said, uh, with the rookie profiles, I'll be putting out some articles on, on those guys headed up to the 2018 NFL draft. And what does a draft kit run you? I think it's like what well, if you pre-order it right now, you get it at the lowest price. I should probably know this, but I'm pretty sure it's like uh, – I'm pretty sure it's like $29.99 or something like that. I don't know. That's a good question. I should know that. <laughs> uh, but I know that if you pre-order it right now, uh, you get it at its lowest price. So go. What do you want? I mean, what do you want to wait for? You want to do that right now? Exactly. If there was ever an off season where Bears fans need to know every single thing they possibly can about the wide receiver position. It's this one. So I definitely recommend going out. You get more than just the reception perception in the draft kit too. So if you're a fantasy football player, it's a dream come true. And it's been a dream come true having Matt Harmon on the podcast. Matt, thank you so much for taking some time today to join me. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It's a fun conversation. I love to talk about receivers. So thank you so much for having me. Thanks again to Matt Harmon for joining us on today's show. If you enjoyed our conversation, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. If you feel so inclined, we would appreciate you leaving us that nice five-star review while you're at it. You can also like Locked On Bears on Facebook and follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Bears. On our next episode, we'll be joined by another great guest to break down the free agent offensive line class, and maybe we'll touch on a few of the draft prospects as well, but we all know that free agent tampering period starts Monday, so you're going to want to keep it locked on Locked On Bears. We'll be your go-to source for analysis on all the moves the Bears make all week. It's really one of the most exciting times of the year, so make sure you bear down.